Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today's episode, episode 23, is recorded on December 27th, 2018 at approximately 3pm. Um, we've got a great show ahead of you, um, a lot of Ravens news and notes and updates to talk about, but of course we're always going to start off with the game recap. This week's game recap is of the game recap that took place on the game that took place on Saturday against the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, if you read my predictions, if you remember what I said last week, I did not think the Ravens were going to stand much of a chance against the Chargers. I thought the Chargers would pretty much handle the game with ease against the Ravens, but I was completely wrong. The Ravens dominated the game from the outset. There were some issues that they had, but we'll get into that, to that a little bit. The first player I want to talk about obviously has to be uh, Lamar Jackson. We named him our Baltimore Ravens player of the game. Uh, us at the Baltimore Feather. A remarkable performance by the rookie quarterback. Um, a really, really great... It's his first 200-yard passing game. He got 204 yards through the air, completed 12 of 22 passes. Um, quarterback rating, um, his rating, you know, the QBR we're not going to talk about, but, you know, quarterback rating, I don't really like the statistic, but I will give it, and it is a good indicator if you pair it with other stats. If it's, you know, check down, check down, check down, it's not going to really matter anything. But when he is throwing, you know, some intermediate throws, when he is making a lot of big plays, I think the quarterback rating can come into play. And his rating for the day was 101.3, which is a remarkable uh, rating for Lamar Jackson. His average pass was 9.3, maybe a little bit inflated by the pass to Mark Andrews, the 68-yarder, I believe it was. Um, he also had a touchdown, no interceptions. He did have one fumble. Um, but that's, you know, didn't really come back to haunt them because they did win 22 to 10 in a phenomenal fashion. I thought this was the most impressive Ravens victory I've seen probably since the 2014 playoff game in Pittsburgh. I think this is the best game I've seen since that point. Um, again, Lamar Jackson's performance was phenomenal. I think he played a lot better, you know, than I thought he would. I gotta give him a lot of credit, you know, still not a full believer in what Lamar Jackson will be able to do. You see a lot of guys come out with, you know, bad accuracy issues in, in college and don't do a whole lot. But what he showed on Saturday night was nothing short of remarkable. And I think that if he can continue to play that way and even fix up some of the mistakes he made in that game, he's going to be a, a fantastic player for the Ravens if he can do that. Um, but moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the receiving core. Obviously, Mark Andrews had that big 68-yard touchdown pass, a phenomenal pass and catch and run. By Mark, uh, by Lamar Jackson, and then by Mark Andrews. John Brown got himself involved. Two catches for 27 yards. Michael Crabtree got involved. He he got targeted four times. Only caught one ball. I was very disappointed. John Brown actually got targeted six times. Uh, only caught two. But you know the the passes to John Brown weren't really in his direction. Most of it. Michael Crabtree. I think all of them were actually catchable balls. Uh, unable. But but he, uh, he was unable to to catch them, which is a very um, a very big disappointment. Nick Boyle gets himself involved. Two receptions, 15 yards. I think he hurdled a guy, if I remember correctly. Uh, Hayden Hurst got himself involved. One reception, 18 yards. Kenneth Dixon, two receptions, 20 yards. Uh, Gus Edwards, one for 13. And Chris Moore, one for eight. Um, interestingly enough, uh, no Willie Sneed on this chart. Willie Sneed was, I thought, was going to be the big key. One of the big keys for the Ravens because he is Lamar Jackson's favorite target. Willie Sneed is the best pair for Lamar Jackson. In a receiving, you know, a receiving person. Now we we had a whole segment last week about how what is what his value is with Lamar Jackson in the offense, but no 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 catches. Uh, pretty surprising. I don't even think he was targeted once. 
Uh, very strange game, you know, but if you, you know, maybe he was taken away, maybe the Chargers, I haven't had a chance to look at the tape yet uh, because of the holidays, that's why we're recording this a day late, but, you know, the Chargers, they probably took him away, uh, they just couldn't, they couldn't find him through the air, Lamar Jackson couldn't, you know, get to him, so, you know, he hit some other targets and he did a very good job doing that. I still think that Mark Andrews is going to be the second coming of Dennis Pitta, I tweeted out that he was Dennis Pitta 2.0. He would probably be better than Dennis Pitta and could be better than Todd Heap. Um, just by the, what, what we're looking at with Mark Andrews, he's a fantastic player. Um, a really, really great job that he's been doing with the Ravens so far. Um, Ravens rushing, obviously you got Lamar Jackson. He ran the ball 13 times for only 39 yards, 3-yard three, uh, three average per carry. Not a great day for him, but he, re- he delegated... Gave it to Gus Edwards, 14 carries, 92 yards. It's a 6.6 average yard per run. That is insane, especially against a defense like the Chargers. That is very good at run defense. They could not stop the run game. Obviously, you also had Kenneth Dixon in there with eight eight runs, 28 yards for 3.5 average. Um, Gus Edwards, you know, he comes out right away and hits that 43-yard rush right after the Ravens on the first play from scrimmage. Uh, you know, not counting the kickoff, obviously. But from the first play of scrimmage, the Ravens, Brandon Carr picks off the pass of Phillip Rivers, and Gus Edwards comes down on the next play and just hits the Jets for 43 yards. I mean, what a fantastic start that was. Again, this is probably the most complete Ravens win I've seen in in years since 2014, probably. Uh, especially because the way the defense played against a top-tier offense. You've got players Patrick Unwaso earned himself the AFC Defensive Player of the Week with nine total tackles, two for loss, two sacks, two quarterback hits, a fumble um, a, a, a fumble strip from Antonio Gates, picked up by Tavon Young, returned for a touchdown, and the defense was able to do that and close the game. The defense has not closed the game against good opponents in a long time, and they did it on Saturday on the heels of the extension that we got from John Harbaugh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that afterwards, uh, afterwards of when we talk about this game. C.J. Mosley had a good day, I thought. Eight tackles, not a whole lot going on there, but, you know, solid day from him. Tony Jefferson came back, uh, I think from, I can't, he was back last week, if I remember correctly. It's been a little while now. Um, but six total tackles. Zaria Smith in there with one and a half sacks. Uh, the half sack went to Brent Urban. He got Suggs in there with a quarterback hit. Always applying pressure there. And I think that, you know, overall... This defensive effort, the, the play calling, the pressure they were putting on Phillip Rivers, it was all fantastic. Phillip Rivers only completed 23 out of 37 attempts for, get this, 181 yards. Lamar Jackson outplayed MVP candidate Phillip Rivers in this game. That is remarkable. And Phillip Rivers threw two interceptions as well. His quarterback rating was 51.7 on the day. Lamar Jackson basically, you know, rounded double the quarterback rating on that. It was a phenomenal day for Lamar Jackson. Not such a great day for Phillip Rivers. So with the win, the Ravens are right on the heels of the playoff contention now. They're going to have to win an in. Uh, they have a win and in situation coming up this Sunday. Obviously, John Harbaugh, contract extended the day before the, the game in Los Angeles. Um, the Baltimore Ravens via Twitter announced that John Harbaugh is coming back next season, and they are looking to make an extension with him. They said working on it, but there are reports that he has not actually had any talks with, with the Ravens over an extension. Uh, in my opinion, the working on the extension bit was mainly an out to say, well, we can't come to a deal if we don't want to extend him. He is booked for 2019, so he will be there regardless unless he himself leaves. But the Ravens want to have him back. I think John Harbaugh wants to be back. 
Um, and I think as long as he makes the playoffs, the Ravens will extend his contract. I think this is the start of a new Harbaugh era. You have the Flacco era, and this is going to be the Lamar Jackson era. It seems we're definitely transitioning now. And so far, it's worked out for Harbaugh. We could see another five-year straight run into the playoffs. Hopefully, we'll get that kind of success capped off with another Super Bowl. But I do think it's the right decision that the Ravens will keep John Harbaugh for 2019 and hopefully beyond. He is one of the best coaches in the league, hands down. Always gets the Ravens in competition for the playoffs, even with not-so-great rosters that we've seen in the past years, especially 2016, 2017. These are not the most talented rosters. These are good defenses paired with subpar offenses. And now you've got a, a, a dominant offense on the ground paired with a dominant defense altogether. can stop anybody in the league. They showed it against Kansas City. They showed it against Los Angeles Chargers. They can stop anybody in the league. This run, def this run offense can pound over anybody in the league. This is going to be a very dangerous team if they make the playoffs. But to make the playoffs, the Baltimore Ravens will need to beat the Cleveland Browns. Now, this, this playoff situation is opened up a little bit by what happened last week. Um, the Ravens didn't get help from the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles should have lost to the Texans to ensure that the Ravens didn't have this weird wild card, you know, scenario. Uh, but that's irrelevant at this point, and we'll get to that in a second. They were not helped by the Colts, who won, by the Titans, who won. Um, but they were helped tremendously by the Saints in the game that mattered the most for the Ravens to make the playoffs. The Saints beat the Steelers. The Steelers are now 8-5-1. The Ravens are 9-6. and six. Um, The best that the Steelers can finish is... I'm sorry, they're 8-6-1, not 8-5-1. Uh, the best the Steelers can finish is 9-6-1. The best the Ravens can finish is 10-6-1. Uh, I'm sorry, no one at the end, just 10-6. Um, if the Ravens have the higher win total at the end of this week, they will be in the playoffs as the AFC North champion. Back in Week 9, when the Ravens lost to the Steelers, nobody was thinking AFC North contention at all. Everybody just assumed they were out. They were thinking maybe wild card, but it looked like everything was falling apart. Now here they are on the cusp of winning their first division title since 2012, and we all know what happened in that season. They went on to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if they'll be able to win the Super Bowl this year, but if they get the division title, it's a big step forward and into the playoffs for the first time since 2014. So a big thank you to Drew Brees and co. and Juju Smith-Schuster for fumbling the ball and costing Pittsburgh the game. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is a fantastic opportunity that the Ravens have now, and we could not have done it without you guys. Uh, the Ravens still can even win the division, even if they don't beat the, the Browns. If the Bengals beat the Steelers, both kickoffs are at 4.25 uh, p.m. on Sunday. I will be in the stands for the Ravens game. Hopefully, we'll get a win there. But I do want to talk a little bit about some of the key factors, I think, that are going to be in this game, specifically the rookies. Now, obviously, Lamar Jackson is electrifying the field right now. Not completely sold on him as a pocket quarterback, but what he's doing for this offense right now, it cannot be understated. The run game is is superior to everybody else in the league. Lamar Jackson's talent through the air, it's there. It's just he's got to get consistent at it, and he's got to stay healthy. I'm a little, I'm still concerned about what these extended touches, what these runs are going to do to him long term. You see, you know what happened to RG three. I don't want the same for him at all. I want him to be okay. I don't know what what his durability is like. He was injured, I think, once or twice in college, so we're gonna have to see what what he can do, um, you know, durability wise. But I think he'll be okay for now. But he's an electrifying player right now. He's moving this offense in ways he couldn't earlier. Um, and I think that, you know, we're done with the Flacco discussion. You know, whether I think he's a better quarterback, I do. But we're done with that now. We're moving on to, to Lamar Jackson. And it's about him now and what he brings to this offense. And we're going to see what, we, what he can do against the Cleveland Browns. 
I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a different game for Cleveland because what they had to deal with with Flacco was the vertical attack and covering the receivers, and they did that very well. And the, you know, Michael Crabtree drops some passes, but you don't have to rely on Michael Crabtree. You don't have to re- rely on Willie Sneed or John Brown in this game. Now you have to rely on the ground game. Gus Edwards too. Gus Edwards, another rookie, undrafted out of Rutgers, coming in and pounding the rock, moving very efficiently extremely efficiently. He, I think, has over 500 yards now. I mean, he only started since, what, week 11, week 12, somewhere in there? I think week 12 was his first start. He got, you know, the extended touches in week 11, but he didn't start. Uh, so fantastic performance so far this season from him. All these rookies. Uh, Mark Andrews, tight end. Again, I said he was going to be, uh, he's going to be one of the best players that this Ravens offense is going to have going down the line here into next season. I, th- I think that he's going to be one of the best tight ends in the league in a couple of years. Uh, you got Orlando Brown Jr. at right tackle, who has really solidified himself there. Uh, no way you can give that back to James Hurst at any point unless he gets injured. Uh, move James Hurst at guard. I like him at guard. I think he brings a lot of versatility. He's still a very good player. Uh, but but Orlando Brown Jr., really a great player at right tackle. Again, I said when he when he was um, failed that com- those combine tests, well, not failed them, but did very poorly in them. I, it didn't matter. I said he should still be a first-round pick. He slides to the third round. The Ravens just pick him up there. I said that was a steal. I thought he was going to be a. I thought I thought he was going to start from day one. Uh, he didn't, but he sh- certainly should have. I think because he is balling right now and he is a force. He is a wall. You cannot get past. You cannot get over, and you cannot push him down. Zeus Jr. is a fantastic right tackle, and of course you've got Kenny Young in here, rookie out of UCLA, um, splitting some reps with with. Uh, with Peanut in there, Peanut Owasso, um, but, you know, great production we see from him uh, week in and week out. I think that he's he's going to be a good middle linebacker down the road. I think right now, just get him in there, see what he can do, and I think he, we, we get good production of Kenny Young, um, but he's not going to be, you know, the workhorse yet. But these are really the only rookies, I think, so far that are contributing a whole lot. You know, you've got other guys you know, kind of going in and out. Hayden Hurst might be a bust at this point. You know, I wouldn't consider him a very big, uh, you know, effect this year. He hasn't had a huge effect on the offense. But all these other guys, a very good draft in my opinion. Um, you know, probably even better than what I thought we were going to get when I first saw the results when we watched it live uh, last April. Now, I do want to talk a bit. We're going to move on from the rookies into some older veteran guys like Terrell Suggs here because Terrell Suggs, uh, you know, he is about to hit a milestone that I think it's very worth sharing with you guys. Uh, he will become the Raven to play the most games in Baltimore since Ray Lewis uh, this Sunday. He will surpass Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis played 228 games with the Baltimore Ravens. Terrell Suggs on Sunday will play his 229th game. Uh, and Ray Lewis had the record as long as Suggs plays on Sunday, and I don't see a way he won't play. Um, he will surpass Ray Lewis, which is frankly amazing. The career Trail Suggs has had is remarkable, and it will land him in the Hall of Fame one day. No question about it. One of the best pass rushers of all time. I forget exactly where he is on the sack list, but he's up there in the top 10. Um, n- no question. And I think he's probably got, you know, it's a little off topic, but I think he's got a little bit of a, um, a career in broadcasting afterwards. He makes movies. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but he does make independent movies once in a while, and he is a all-around athlete, all-around dude. He's got a lot of, um, he he's got production everywhere from movies to to football. I think that you know he'll definitely be a Hall of Famer, and what he does post football, I think, will be nothing short of incredible too. Uh, but he has no current plans to retire. 
Uh, nothing known yet. He he doesn't. He says he doesn't have the itch to retire, but they're gonna. He's gonna cross the bridge when he gets there. And whenever he feels he's ready to retire, he will retire. Um, but he is not ready yet, and he will. He is set to be a free agent after this year in 2019. You know, we don't know what he's gonna do, where he's gonna go. Could still be with the Ravens. I kind of see it as unlikely. I don't think he'll be back with the Ravens just because of the contracts that they're gonna try to, you know, give. They're going to want to take Zedarius Smith back. He's turning out to be a good player. You know, younger guys eventually are going to have to take over here. But he will surpass Ray Lewis for this milestone. And I think that is a, a, a very, it's a very big deal in my opinion. And I think a lot of people see it the same way. It's a huge deal. Um, and of course, he'll probably be honored in the game on Sunday. And I hope um, Flacco will be honored too, because this could be the last Ravens home game. Um, this could be the last Ravens game of the season and the Ravens game of his career. I think he'll be honored whether or not they announce it. Send him in, you know, all by himself as a Super Bowl MVP at the end of the intros or, you know, have him do the final kneel down if, if, if it comes to that, if they get to that point. Um, you know, but about this Browns game, we're going to move on to our final segment here, um, in a minute. This Brown game is, is crucial. They already lost the Browns once this year. Um, if they cannot beat the Browns, I cannot rely on the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Steelers to get in the playoffs. The only way to get in the playoffs is win the division at this point. If they lose, I, I don't think they can win a wild card because the Chargers already have, or Chiefs, it depends on which one wins the division, has one wild card no matter what, they're in the playoffs. And the winner of the Titans and Colts game will be 10-6 and six and will be in the playoffs regardless, so as a wild card. So you've got to win the division. Um, I can't count on the Cincinnati Bengals. They are not very good, but I do remember what happened last year when they weren't very good going in against a team that was set to make the playoffs. Um, and they demolished their chances at it. Um, as long as Ravens win this week, they're in no matter what. So I do want to see them win and just not have to rely on anybody else. I'm tired of relying on other teams. Let's just win the game. And I think there are three key matchups, our final segment here, three key matchups that will determine the winner of this Ravens and Browns game this Sunday. Um, number one, I think is Prashad Perryman, believe it or not, versus Brandon Carr. I'm assuming they're going to put Brandon Carr on him. It could be any other quarterback. We'll say it's Brandon Carr for now because Prashad Perryman's a little bit down on the depth chart. Prashad Perryman's had a fantastic uh, few weeks in Cleveland. Uh, he's a deep shot threat, and, you know, if the Ravens are going to lose, they'll probably be on a last-second play, as it always is, and I think Prashad Perryman could be that guy. If they can lock down Prashad Perryman since he's the deep threat, uh, it'll take away an aspect for Baker Mayfield. Or Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry threw a pass to him for a touchdown, a huge pass. Um, it'll shut down that, that, that dimension from the Browns and will give the Ravens' defense an upper hand. I think Baker Mayfield versus Don Martindale will be very key. Um, Baker Mayfield struggled a little bit in the first um, game against the, the Ravens. Not a great performance from him, but Don Martindale did a good job, you know, disguising blitzes, um, putting out weird formations that Baker Mayfield not, might not be comfortable with. Uh, he did that well against the Chargers, too, stop that offense. I think if he can do that again this week against Baker Mayfield and the Browns clan, um, that'll be a tremendous um, a tremendous asset for the Ravens, and I think that they can win uh, by doing that. And finally, I think that Miles Garrett has to be stopped by Ronnie Stanley. The dude's a beast at, on the defensive line. He's going to come off of that left tackle spot with Ronnie Stanley there. Ronnie Stanley is a solid left tackle, uh, but it's going to be a crucial matchup. We don't want Lamar Jackson to get pressured all game, uh, and we don't, you know, we want to make good decisions. If he can stay in the pocket untouched for most of the time, he'll make good decisions. Uh, he'll have a better ac he'll have better accuracy than if he's out of the pocket, trying to make something happen when it's not there. 
Um, and if he could see his receivers, if he's in the pocket, he's going to have an easier time seeing, reading the field. It's just easier, you know, to do it in the pocket than it is running around worrying about who's behind you, who's in front of you, if you can just sit there and look. Um, so it's crucial that Ronnie Stanley can bottle up Miles Garrett because he is a weapon on that defensive line for the Cleveland Browns. Okay, so that wraps up today's episode of Nest Talk. You can find Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter or search us up on Facebook. You can find the Baltimore Feather at, at BaltimoreFeather.com. Um, uh, or hit us up on Twitter at Be More Feather, or just search us up on Facebook. Uh, I'm Chris Linfont. You can find me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. Uh, signing out. Have a great uh, rest of the Christmas season and a happy New Year, everyone. And we will continue our discussion of the Ravens uh, after the Browns game this uh, Sunday. And we'll tune into you. Uh, we'll tune in with a new episode of Nest Talk next Wednesday. We'll be back on schedule. Um, so yeah, uh, have a great day, everybody.